Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today on the show, we're going to do a bit of a review since it's December 2019. We're going to talk about the last 20 years of the New Zealand property market. We're going to talk about some events that happened, the highs, the lows. And this actually uh, has been sparked by uh, another article or report that I read in the One Roof Quarterly Report for December, um, you know, summarising some some of the, the writer's highs and lows. And so, so we've pulled some together. Together. We've got a couple from the article. Uh, we're going to start with you, Andrew. What are some of the? What's one of the the top events from the last twenty years that has impacted the property market that you want to talk about? So I'll go to the one that was um, the furthest away. So that was the um, leaky home saga, um, which is still ongoing. Um, Ed and I were just talking about the massive impact that that's had on um, people that I know, i.e., clients, and one of Ed's friends actually went through this, which I'll tell you a bit about. Um, so in 1991, uh, I actually didn't realise this until he told me, in 1991, um, we introduced the Building Act. And um, at that time, it was a lot more relaxed than what we've got today. And what it allowed was it allowed for framing um, to be uh, uh, untreated timber um, and then it allowed cladding to be fibre cement, which isn't watertight. And so the combination of those two meant that you ended up having water get in. Um, it destroyed the um, structural integrity of the building. And then, of course, that resulted in leaky homes. So um, it was our building code that allowed this to happen. Now, um, this went th- right the way through to 2004. So homes within built within that era are at risk, considered at risk. And the cost... Um, to remedy this was $11.3 billion, um, of which 34% of it was covered by government and 66% was covered by the homeowners. And uh, I think that this... If if you haven't been through this, or if you if you you weren't kind of reading the newspapers between that time, like myself, I was a bit, I was a bit young at the time. Then you probably don't realise the impact that this had. On homeowners, I've got I've got a friend. I uh, won't, won't name her. I'm sure she wouldn't mind me sharing the story. She had uh, she she was very diligent. Built up a property investment portfolio of five properties. Uh, found out that one of her apartments was was a leaky home, and that the cost to remedy uh, has just been enormous. That it that it's it's really stretched her financial position, almost almost bankrupted her. Uh, which is completely sad, and I'm not sure. I don't think you mentioned Andrew that of that 11. Point, is it 11.2 billion? You said I said 11.3. 11.3 billion dollars cost to remedy. Uh, 34% of that was covered by by the government. The the rest was by by homeowners. So 66% of that 11.3 billion cost has been covered by homeowners, and it's been astronomical. The cost to homeowners from a leaky home is well above what the houses are worth. And it really has had a significant negative financial impact on um, on homeowners, and it's it's actually a really sad story. And and frequently you'll hear us talk on this podcast about uh, about red tape in the property market, and we say that red tape and regulation can you know limit supply that comes onto the market because it's harder to build new properties. Uh, but what I want to want to say is don't don't construe that as us saying that we should decrease regulation. Because we can't have a repeat of this sort of situation where, where people who, uh, through no fault of their own, have bought a property which is, is up to code. And, and you know, if you, if you buy a home, you're not necessarily looking at whether the, the framing is untreated or, or whatever. You know, you're not the expert in it and you shouldn't have to be. Um, but because of this terrible piece of legislation, uh, this shoddy legislation, we've had people who have been significantly impacted when really they've just been trying to sort out their own retirements and not have such a high reliance on the New Zealand superannuation. 
the next thing that I want to talk about is uh, we had a GFC in the in the last twenty years, and w- within that GFC, there were sixty seven finance companies which fell over in the New Zealand market. And I think that's 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 kind of amazing because back in the in the early two thousands, there were a lot of finance companies and investment companies, and and the returns that they were reporting of you know eight to 14 percent ret- annual returns were astronomical, almost unbelievable. And if you recall the episode with Dean Blair, he talks about how his parents invested in one of these finance companies that eventually fell over, and uh, they very unfortunately lost the bulk uh, or all of their their finance uh, of their retirement savings. And so um, that had a real impact on the on the um, on on homeowners, on retirees, and and was one of the real low points of of the financial crisis. You know, we're talking about places, uh, finance companies like Bridge Corp or South Canterbury Finance or Hanover, you know, which were quite big names in the early 2000s, all fell over within the, within the GFC. And so I was a mortgage broker at this time, and I remember um, getting a phone call, like on a, I think it was a Friday morning, uh, and we were due to settle a loan with one of the finance companies. Uh, it was one of the first ones to go, and uh, the the client's funds hadn't been received um, because because the the company had gone broke. And so um, what that led to is all of a sudden way tighter lending uh, environment and so of course firstly you didn't have finance companies you could go to anymore that would do those kind of hairy deals but then of course banks got a bit more paranoid and, and didn't lend as much and so that really took its toll on the housing market. And again, um, I, I think in this case as well, we've had had more regulation come in within, within the finance industry like the Responsible Lending Code. Um, as much as sometimes you might think we're complaining about some of these codes when we talk about them, there's usually a reason why they've been introduced. Uh, now, what was the next one on your list that you're going to talk about, Andrew? Uh, so the next one I'll cover is the earthquakes. So I'm not sure if anyone knew, but Christchurch had a few earthquakes a wee while ago. And so um, the the uh, duration of the repairs of that is, on, is ongoing. So, so um, we think that it's going to be a number of years before Christchurch has kind of rebuilt itself. Um, there were 10,000 homes which were demoed and 100,000 which were damaged. And so the total cost of that event was 40 billion dollars such a significant amount of money which has now gone back into the Christchurch um, uh, economy and if you just think about that 110,000 in total 10,000 demoed 100,000 damaged there are only about you know there are under 400,000 people that live in in the Christchurch area so so of that let's say that you've got uh, 180 190,000 houses or 200,000 houses so we can say we can safely say, just based on these back of the envelope calculations, over half the housing stock in Christchurch needed repairs or needed to be demoed. Major, major event. And I think that that's probably why we still see the Christchurch housing market relatively flat. Because we've had to, there's been so much renovation, so much uh, development and supply come on that the market's still figuring itself out there. Uh, and, and just for, for people who don't spend a lot of time in Christchurch, you, you would be surprised if you walk around the number of buildings, particularly in the central city, that are still vacant, that, 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 are, that are damaged, that there's been no development on, 
and they're just they're just sitting there. Um, now that 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 also presents a real opportunity, I think, in the central city as well, and in the Christchurch housing market. Um, but that's that's something to to think about as well. Next thing I want to talk about is the loan to value ratios. They came in on October first, two thousand and thirteen, and the RBNZ, the Reserve Bank, wanted to. Uh, introduce these restrictions about the amount of deposit you need to secure a loan to try and slow down the housing market, um, particularly in Auckland. Now, the interesting thing was that even though uh, even though these restrictions were introduced in 2013, the Auckland housing market still rampantly increased for the next three years. And I think what that shows, and which is actually one of the key messages from the, from this uh, episode, is that even when regulation is introduced, even though these, these terrible things or bad things happen within this time period, house prices in New Zealand, the median house prices increased uh, by 2.6 times. So the median house price in New Zealand today is 3.6 times what it was 20 years ago. It's about 607k right now. It was just under 200k or well under 200k 20 years ago. The last one I want to cover off is the government changes. So um, the, there have been a few things that have affected uh, uh, property investors in the last wee while. Um, three main things. Um, Healthy Homes Act has probably been one of the more recent ones. So um, regulation around what you can rent out. Um, so making sure that it's appropriately insulated and it's you know up to a certain standard. Um, so this, of course, means that um, landlords have to put a bit more money into their older investments. Um, there's the Brightline test. So it's capital gains tax by another name. Um, so an income tax for uh, uh, profits you make on buying and selling a pro- uh, property uh, that's not your own house. So now uh, Brightline test is five years. So if you buy and sell a rental property within five years, you pay income tax on the profit. Um, interesting uh, word there, the income tax. So that means that it's on your personal income tax rate, not like a blanket amount, like 15%, like maybe in Australia. And the other thing is the ring fencing of losses. So again, we've spoken a little bit about this in the past, but the introduction of this has made it more expensive for your average uh, landlord. And look, we've talked about five things that have gone gone uh, poorly in the New Zealand property market or in the New Zealand economy over Challenges. the last five years. Let's 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 uh, talk about one thing that I think is actually really positive for for the property market, particularly for the regional property markets, which is the internet and digital economy. So so twenty years ago. The uh, regional, the regions of New Zealand weren't as connected with the main centres and with the wider world um, as they are today. So the introduction of, of of the internet and the digital economy has meant that businesses, no matter where you are located, can actually do well. That workers can still live in Hawara, where I'm from, or Eltham, or these smaller towns, and still operate really good businesses, which keeps the the uh, regional economies are stronger than they otherwise would be. Now that's really good for the property markets in the re- in the regions, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why we are still seeing a really really strong regional property market, uh, particularly this year. You know, Southland uh, or Invercargill increased by twenty five percent this year. Now that's partially because of the economic cycle we were at, and we talked a little bit about that in the previous episode. But one of the reasons that 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 market's still been able to be strong is that. Businesses can be there and still be connected with the rest of the world. Dunedin, for example, has a very strong tech sector uh, where there are lots of uh, businesses that are starting uh, down there, digital businesses that are employing a lot of people and doing very well. That that wasn't even foreseeable 20 years ago. And I think that the, the, the internet 
and the introduction of this this digital economy is really beneficial, particularly for for our regions. So those are six things, six six um, uh, things of note or or or. Uh, Occurrences of note in the last 20 years in the New Zealand property market. And again, the messengers. Although there were some things, there's some challenges. There were some really good things as well. Um, but through all of that, through the finance companies falling over, through the GFC, through the earthquakes, through the leaky home saga, uh, property prices and the New Zealand property market was still strong. And this comes back to the fundamentals that we keep banging on about in this podcast. We have very strong net migration. We have very strong uh, organic population growth. We have many more people being born than are dying in New Zealand, uh, which is meaning that we're having really strong population growth and projected into the future, which is just a great signal for the New Zealand property market. You know, 20 years ago, we we were our property prices were relatively cheaper than the rest of the world. We're now catching up, and I think we're going to keep pace with the rest of the world. And I think that really speaks to the strength of our property market. Now, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more and more people. And hey, if you want to learn more about property with Andrew and I, then why not check out our epic guide to property investment in New Zealand. It's a 16,000 word guide, which is freely available on our website. You don't even have to put in your email to read it. If you Google property investment, it's one of the top results that come up. So you can even do that. Um, really fantastic guide. And we're going to keep updating that to keep it current as well, uh, which is which is one of the really good pieces of feedback that we frequently get on that article. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time. <laughs>